I think that the broadcast is super boring. Like, this was a better Oscars broadcast than what we've seen in, for, like, the last five or ten years. Be more slappy. Uh, I mean, violence is one way to spice it up. <laughs> you could just, like, put a UFC match in the Maybe Oscars. Maybe a nipple slip, like the Super Bowl. Maybe. Are you custom made, custom paid, or you just custom fitted? It's March Madness. It's my favorite time of the year. I had no idea what you were doing. Well, you know, I love sports and I love all sports, so I shouldn't say it's my favorite time of the year, but it's up there where it's pretty awesome because as we, you know, this launches on Friday, we're going to be right into the first round of the uh, March Madison. I know it's a golf podcast and golf is my number one sport. Um, <laughs> I do love me some basketball and I'm going to have plenty of it this weekend. There you go. I did fill out a bracket. Did uh, you? I did no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I Who had, did you pick for a winner? Um, I had Alabama. So did I. Oh, do you? Uh, so one of my winners is Alabama, or as I like to call, Murder Inc. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> because of their controversy. Oh, no. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have them, and then I filled out a second bracket where I have UCLA, which is my kind of, like, dark UCLA horse. was my second. They were the two. The they were the two. doing North. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe I guessed really well? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, okay. I, that's pretty good. I think you're going to do better than you think. Maybe. Well, in fairness, I... I filled out the bracket on like a piece of paper. I didn't like bet on it or whatever. Like it's not, you know, I didn't do so it. I have all my research papers here. If you could see it, I have, I'm, I currently have about 20 different things. You guys, he has a whole stack. Yeah. He has like a book of papers. I have all my squares I've done, all my brackets I've done, all my research for my individual betting I'll do over the weekend. Oh my I know. gosh. I'll have a highlighter, a pen, all in front of me. We'll have three or four TVs set up in one room, oh and we'll God. just there will be about six or seven guys just going nuts. That was last weekend. My husband did his fantasy baseball draft, yeah. and they were like, I was upstairs doing something else, and they were all screaming about yeah. stuff. And I was like, and they all had like highlighters and magazines, and they had like pieces of paper. It was ridiculous. It's what dudes do? I, I guess. I guess that's what dudes do. I don't know. It's uh, when golf. You know, for me, when I'm not golfing, that's what I do. That's fair. I mean, whatever. Actually, I, I mean, last night I hit balls. In the simulator, and between, like, when I would take breaks, I would be researching March Madness. Oh, my god! It was like sports over overload. I love it. That's so fun. I don't <laughs> think we said it, but this is uh, Fits with the Founder. Uh, Nick is your founder. I'm Cassie. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and by the way, this is Fits with the Founder. Yes. Uh, welcome to the podcast that is about golf, but we haven't spoken about it at all. No. It's we're going to cool. get into it, though, because... We've had a hot week here. We have. Um, we, and this time we're actually we're actually recording in the week we're releasing, so it's been yeah. weird the last couple of times. But, um, I mean, we just had the players. The players. Um, Sunday, to me, was anticlimactic. Yes. I mean, yeah. Except for I still love watching 17 because it got windy there and yeah, people just dude. started sucking. Yeah. And it was pretty awesome. There was about six balls in the water in a row. And it was towards the end of the groups, too. Yeah. But Scotty Scheffler did Scotty Scheffler things. As and, one does. And... Uh, there we are. He, yeah, so he's world number one again. I feel like every time we have a podcast, he is world, it's either him or John Rom. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and Rom had the Trotsky, so he, he had to leave. Sure did. And, uh, which I had that last week too, so I can feel me and John Rom are in the same boat. Do we feel like, do we feel like Scheffler would have won? Oh, if yeah. Rom had been there? I think so. Yeah, okay. I think so. I mean, Scotty was in the zone and he was putting up some, I mean, Crazy. Some great golf and great shots and he yeah. was doing it all. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of cool things from it, too. I mean, Jordan Spieth hit that guy, and it sure basically did. got him into the weekend. Yep. 
And, and then he pretty... said he got sawgrassed. I was like, <laughs> bogus. Yeah, he got sawgrassed. <laughs> it is pretty amazing, though, that, that when you look at that 16, 17, 18, like, I'm not a huge, I think we've talked about it, I'm not a huge sawgrass guy. Sure. But I will say 16, 17, 18 can make for some pretty good drama. 100%. It yeah. was the first big tournament that I went to. We talked about this last year's first big one I went to, and we posted up on 17 on whatever the Saturday was. This is 2015 or whatever year Ricky Fowler won, because Ricky Fowler's my hubs. Um, and we were rooting for balls to go in the water, which is poor form, poor form. Yeah. But, like, you kind of want it, to, and you do the whole, like, oh. Like, no, I mean, rolling. that's part of the fun. <laughs> I mean, even when I was watching it on Sunday, it's like, those last couple of groups, they were all struggling to hit that totally. green. The wind was like whipping around. You could yeah. tell they were, they didn't know what to do. And you know, it's part of the fun. Yeah. What about the ball? Did you see the ball that got stuck in the wood? No. So, uh, I don't remember who it was now. I'm going to forget. I think it was Friday. Sure. Um, and, uh, the ball sucked back, went through the fringe and then was going to fall in the water, but, but you know, the vertical, the up, yeah, yeah, those ver vertical, well, the vertical uprights, it had deteriorated at the top, so like it had chipped away, and it had been like they created like a little hole in there. The ball actually went in. I was with some buddies Friday afternoon. We were watching golf and shooting some skeet and doing some different things. And the ball goes in. I go, you know, you should almost get a hole in one for this. You should. Like that's, that's almost, almost harder. harder. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you just amazing. have to take a drop and play it like that, but um pretty wild i mean it was it was a good tournament it was um we had a lot aces. of money won. We, we had a lot of money i mean we i think it was 4.5 million dollars for scotty um and then uh hatton birdied the seven of the back nine and he basically on sunday like earned himself another 2.5 million dollars with seven birdies that's wild yeah wild um and then there was also so you like sports betting yeah this there guy was, i read about this yeah, guy yeah so there was a guy who basically put um three hundred thousand dollars down on scotty scheffler to win it was 10 to 1 odds which if you do math that three earned million. him three million dollars I, I that's a bold crazy to put, put three hundred thousand on scotty scheffler when I thought about it, I'm like, still crazy, but like, okay. But also, he's on a hot streak. Now, I, I, he probably put some kind of money, like a hedge bet on like a ROM or somebody else. I'm guessing he did some other sure. things too. But uh, yeah, interesting. Um, good crazy. for him. Crazy. Yeah. And I'm, honestly, I think it's a bolder take that Scotty was 10 to 1 because of the like tear that he's been on. Um, In we golf, all... you can get crazy because of four rounds. Yeah. You know how many people, when you look at the betting lines, it, it just is. It's like a. Uh, Wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the only other thing that I saw that was like kind of fun besides the three aces at 17, which by the way, there was a span of like 16 years where they had three aces total and we yeah. had three aces in this tournament. So like something was weird with pin placement this time. But anyway, um, so Keith Mitchell, who is somebody that you only hear about once in a while, um, he right before the weather horn went off on Friday, I mean, absolutely murdered one hard right. Yeah, and into like, the water. <laughs> into the water, slammed his club into the ground and had an absolute hissy fit. And literally three seconds later, the horn went off and the PGA, tour, somebody had a video of it and somebody posted it on Twitter and it went viral. The PGA had it removed because they technically own the rights to anything that's the broadcast. And he was like, nah, fuck that. And he had him put it back up like he reposted it and was like oh, i had a hissy fit it's fine <laughs> yeah and, and here's the thing oh, i don't know i'm not a huge keith mitchell fan I he's think fine he, i have i have a word that starts with d that i would call him Ooh. but I, I just don't like him i just think he's kind of like a child like that yeah i i agree with there's that. one thing with like showing emotion and doing that i feel like he's just always a powder he's a bit of a powder i would take him over some other people <clears throat> oh yeah there's but... definitely some <laughs> 
There's definitely some others. There's definitely some others. Yeah, but, but I thought it was cool that he was like, ah, no, I threw a hissy fit. It's okay. Like, here's what it looks like. Um, so what, that's great. You know, the one thing I didn't see on here hmm. that I couldn't believe you didn't put on here Uh-oh. is the whole drama around, you know, the tours changing. Yes. Uh, of like these elevated events where you're no cuts. So basically that's in our doing live. We're going to talk about it in the yeas and nays, but yes, they're basically copying live sort of. Okay. Then we'll save it. For yeah, the we are. Um, and just to like as to preface this for our listeners, this is our first podcast without our producer Danny. So just to guys give you guys like a visual of right now, I have a soundboard in front of me, a microphone in front of my face, I have headphones on, and I have um, an anxiety stomach ache because I know I have to edit this by myself and I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> the reason why I didn't put some things on the list that Nick and I are looking at when we go through our conversation is because I was um, harassed and uh, short on time. So that's <laughs> I apologize in advance if you guys hear extra like intakes of breaths and coughs and things like that because okay. i don't know what i'm doing you get the real us that's all that matters yes authentic and raw <laughs> um, burps and all well anyway moving past this players it was great yeah, it was, it was a good fine. players i do wish it was a little bit more dramatic down the stretch but then again i like seeing scotty scheffler win because a lot of times in these players you see like these you get a lot of one-offs in there you do and so it was good to see one of the, the you know, the top, he's a two, you know, number two in the world, former number one, yeah. uh, pull it through. And he kind of had a tough stretch there for a while. So to see him this year playing really well, um, awesome. Yeah, so. I liked it. Um, the big news this week, I mean, this is the thing that everybody's been talking about, right? The USGA and the RNA proposed measures to roll back the golf ball. Only for elite players, not for recreational. So I so. think that they should all walk outside and play in traffic. Oh my, God. that's a hot take. Yeah, I, I just cannot... Here's the thing. Have you read anywhere where their justification for this is? Um, where their justification is? No, but I know what changes they're making. I, no, I think I, that's my point is they yeah. keep telling us the changes, but what is your justification for this? I mean, they're saying Why that they're trying... Why make a harder game harder? And by the way, I, part of the beauty of golf is that I can go play it just like a pro. I'm not going to score like yeah, a pro. That's what Titleist is saying. Yeah, yeah, but I can go play like a pro. Now you're going to tell me that, you know, I'm going to play something different than pros. Yeah. Guess what? We tried to do that with illegal golf clubs yeah. back like 20 years ago, and nobody bought them because they want to play what the pros play. Correct. Um, it's kind of the lure of kind of the fun. Like, in my brain, my little pea brain, there's still <laughs> a part of me that occasionally goes, man, maybe if I just tried a little harder, I could play the PGA Tour. Sure. And I think a lot of golfers are like that, Probably. right? And so, you know, when you do this, it makes it so that you don't have that. And yeah. so, uh, I mean, I've seen players saying, well, I, I don't think the tour is going to adopt it. I hope they don't. I actually don't think they will either, and that's one of the things about it is it will be up to individual events and individual tours if they want to enforce the rule. Um, it's called the local model rule. Like, I... Uh, I don't play at an elite enough level even to care. Like my yeah. distance, rolling my distance back 14 or 15 yards isn't really going to change much for me. Um, so I don't have a strong opinion on it. But I know that they're trying to mitigate distance. And for me, it's like, why though? You, like, spent, you spent so much millions of dollars on ads of teeing it forward or play yeah. the appropriate tee. And then you're saying, well, but don't play that ball. If and you're it's, elite, yeah. I just don't understand. There's got to be, there's got to be a, a, a some kind of lobbyist out there, just with fingers in there, that has something that's going to make them money on this. Because I have no idea what you're trying to protect the no. sanctity of the game. Oh come on, yeah, Give me a break. we're past that. I yeah. mean, Entitleist has the same take that you do because we've had like in the in the past few days we've had everybody coming out and issuing their statements or whatever in response to this proposition. Entitleist think feels like it's creating a divide, like you just said. It's it's no longer a game that amateurs can play. The same way that pros do um 
and really all they're they're altering the tests right so like what they're going to do is they'll test the balls differently with with um iron byron like that's yeah. that's all it's going to be um but they want a slower shorter golf ball and all that to me that feels like it's just going to make pace of play an even bigger problem like we already have guys on timers during tournaments yeah. and now you want to like take 15 yards away yeah. from every i, I, I just, don't know i haven't seen one person come out and say i'm a fan of this no but i also have not seen the argument of why we're doing this no. and it drives me nuts that you know, these guys who are just these normal guys, yeah. the same guys that probably you would sit at your 19th hole with and have a drink, <laughs> all of a sudden decided, you know what, let's make this rule. And There's I'm sure they'll say, reason. Nick, you're crazy. We have all these like reasoning. Okay, then show it to me. Right. Sell me on this. Yeah. But no one is selling anybody on this. They're just saying, you know, we're going to do this. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, I don't think, it, I mean, the tour, okay. Hmm. But the tour is fun to watch now. Right. Leave them alone. I like seeing guys that are averaging like 303 yards off Everybody the tee. Everybody does. Yeah, Chicks I love dig that. the long ball. <laughs> <laughs> so my point is, is I'd rather see these guys hit driver wedge and make a bunch of birdies. Totally. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see. It's happening. So we'll, we'll keep that in the news as we go. Um, it's still in the proposition phase. It hasn't been implemented. So we'll see what happens. Um, we also have the um, Augusta National Women's Amateur coming up. So the cool news with that, aside from the fact that it's a women's amateur at Augusta, which is cool on its own, is that there is a 14-year-old, um, Gianna Clemente. I think we've actually talked about her on the podcast before. She's in the field. So she'll be the youngest. That is what to play Augusta Is she the youngest one? Because at Lex, what time? Lexi? So she's the youngest in the field this year. Oh, this year. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I was say because you think about some of the people that started super young especially in women's golf yeah. like the michelle wees lexi lexi everybody. yeah yeah no but john i mean she's super talented she made like she was the one we talked about that made four yep. lpga yeah the yep. cuts in a row um i think she missed the cut in all four of those tournaments but like the fact of the matter is she's, she's super talented yeah so and she also she can't even drive a car she can't two drive years a car. from driving a car yeah she can't drink <laughs> alcohol she can't do anything fun except play golf obviously but i watched uh, a video of her swing and it is so pure it's like lexi thompson vibes it's so pure and I mean, so most powerful of the swings out on the lpga are it's astonishing whenever i need a little tempo watch a little lpga yeah and watch you get any it. of the girls yeah um so that's super exciting i'm actually really excited to watch that and then we oh, we had some other news the world golf hall of fame passed on our guy they passed on jim furick but yep. they did announce their class they'll um, get it eventually they probably figure he's too still involved in playing and he is and like one of the main events on the champions tour is his event la furick and friends stuff like that so i got it um but padrick harrington is is the main name i would say from this year's class plus the remaining seven um LPGA founders, so now all 13 founders will be in the Hall of Fame, so that's cool. Um, oh. Yeah, the tiger <laughs> drama. Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, so I would love to know the truth truth about this. I, I If it is true that he just knew she was going to go nuts, so he's like, you know what, we'll tell her we're going on a vacation, have send her to a jet and just walk her out. Pretty incredible. If she's <sighs> that nuts and he had to do that, Part of me thinks that they're probably both nuts. Yes. I'm with you on that. This is this is three sides to every story, his side, her side, somewhere that the truth is in the middle. Um, okay, so for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, which I don't know how you wouldn't, um, Tiger is basically being sued by his ex, the one that he was managing his Jupiter restaurant. They were together. I didn't for like know six they broke years. up till this whole thing. Yeah, so they had an announcement, but they broke up in like October. Right. Separated. Shocked by that. Because um, she was everywhere with him for like the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean I mean the last public appearance he made, or one of the last other with other than the ones with Charlie. She was with him. So it wasn't that long ago. Um, but there's two things going on. One, she's suing him. And then secondly, she's fighting an NDA that that he had her sign early on in their relationship. So and the reason she's fighting the NDA is a little shady. But realistically, it's because 
it, that NDA would block her from talking about things that would help her win the other lawsuit. That's why. So there's some like shady shit going on with all of this. And I, we, we, we've talked about this before. Tiger Woods is not a good person. So there's nothing. But he to always s- gets himself in these weird positions. Kind and of. And then he gets himself in weird positions. I, I want this to come across completely fair, but I think most people can relate with it. This is not like he's going to date another superstar. Right. He dates like Perkins white waitresses. Well, he did date Lindsey like, Vaughn for a while. Yeah, true. That's which one. Which is the only but one. But generally speaking, when they did weird shit too. Well, he leaked. cheated on her. Well, yeah. And there was like naked pics and yeah, things. Yeah. Which, I mean, good for her. She's hot as shit. But yeah. Like... No, I agree. <laughs> um, but anyway, my point is, is that like it, he, he gets himself involved in these low level like. Yeah. This is like people that like. Just have nothing better to do in life. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but get themselves in drama. Like, he, I don't know. He's got issues. Like, I mean, we all know the sex addiction, the stuff that he did to Elon, like, all the drugs, the DUI. He cheated on Lindsay. Like, we know this man I still has love him as a golfer. No, fair. But that's, like, we talked Gotta about it on the last. the artist from the art. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it on the last podcast and nothing has ever aged so well as us being like, we all know Tiger Woods is kind of a piece of shit. Like, yeah, right. And then this happened and we're like, well, we were right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's happening. Um, obviously. It's, it's, yeah, it's we're going to see how it unfolds. It'll probably yeah. just kind of go away. But I don't, Well, I don't um, think they can say anything publicly because, A, there's an NDA involved, and, B, she did check the box about sexual assault. So, like, that's not going to be a thing that they talk about publicly. And, frankly, they shouldn't. But, yeah, yeah that's a whole thing. Um, that's really and My it. guess is there wasn't really sexual assault. He probably just did some weird shit like eat Wheaties while he was yeah. having sex or Watching something. Watching commercials while they were doing it. Yeah, something, yeah. something weird, but not, like... You Assault. read that article back in the day, right? Where oh, the prostitute yeah. was like, and he would watch Sunday morning cartoons and eat Fruit Loops while yeah. I went down on him or whatever. Like, it was the weirdest article. I highly recommend, A, parents, turn this off before I get to this part, and B, <laughs> <laughs> go try to find that article from, like, 2008. But you know what? Hopefully he wins the Masters. That's all I can okay. say. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, sure, I guess. Um all right. Separate the artist. Separate the art from the artist. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Other than that, we we have one other big topic, but we're going to get to it for yays and nays, so let's save it. Let's skip into Club Champion news. So do we have any fun demos? Yeah, I think we have a little bit going on. So Even Roll has a full new line. It's kind of cool because when we fit you, we can play. We can basically plug and chug different hosels, heads, and weights. Okay. And so it's a really cool fitting system by them. It's um, And I'm going to forget the name of the line right now, ERC or something, but it doesn't matter. It's Even Roll. And long story straight, and come and get fit, and we can find the right hosel, the right head, the right weight. It's really cool. We plug it all together, and then we send the specs to our warehouse, and we can build it, and it's a really customizable, cool putter. So I'm excited that those are in the stores now. Oh, we've had even roll, but these, yeah, this these new, new line ones. of more customizable even roll. Uh, 50 of the stores, all the stores you can order this from, but mm-hmm. 50 of the stores actually have the demo now, which is the Miura KM700. And the reason only five, 50 of the stores have it is yeah, for Miura freaks that are out there, um, you knew this was a limited release last year, and they sold out in seconds. Mm-hmm. We sold our lot in minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now they've decided that they're going to try to make it a production line where they're going to roll it out full. But they're still not quite ready to do a full, like, launch. Sure. Like, we got so much now, and then that's why we can only have demos in 50 stores. So we picked 50 markets that we thought would be more Mira-heavy people, probably bigger markets kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But any store you could order it from if you want. And we have so many sets that will last till June. But by the end of the year, this will just be in line and at every store. But that's pretty cool for the Mira people out there, and there's plenty of them. Um, Mira, St- uh, sorry, Wilson staff butters. <laughs> yeah, which most so I people... wasn't sure we were going to carry them. That's interesting. Yeah, well, so what's interesting about them? They do have a really. Co- I've always liked their putters in the sense that I thought they made a nice and cool looking putter, but at a really reasonable price point. Because mm. you know we get 
made fun of and yelled at all the time for our pricing. By the way, we don't really set the pricing, but sure. We yeah. just, we have a lot of add-ons, so we'll it becomes expensive, yeah. but I'll take that hit. But we also try to put products in there that are more reasonably priced when we can, um, as long as they still perform. We can't have junk in there. I'm not gonna yeah. put junk in the stores. So this Wilson Sap Butter, uh, this new one is just a really nice, it's more of a milled putter, um, super clean look, super awesome feel and a great price point in that category. So uh, when they came to me and showed me the product, I'm like, man, I'd really like to carry these in stores. We're like, we'd love you to carry them in the stores. So we decided to do it. Love that. Um, Cleveland Putters is another one. This is like putter time. March is yeah. always putter time. Um, you have the Cleveland FL Elite Putters, which funny is most people don't think about Cleveland Putters. They're actually really good putters. And yeah, again, they look nice. this is again for that price point player. Like we sell a lot of these. They have a lot of toe hang mallets, things like that. Really soft feel, great feel, and very reasonably priced. Like, mm -hmm. you know, bottom of like that, like putter market uh, area. And so we've done really well with the past series. I think we'll do really well with this series. Uh, Taylor made spider GTX putters again, just another variation on the spider, obviously a very popular putter on tour. We fit it very, we fit a lot of them because they perform very well in the sand putt lab. Um, so that's another one. And then Scotty Cameron putters, which I didn't have on my list here, but I actually got the email just a little bit ago. Um, so their new super selects, super select, yeah, oh my new super select putters, uh, demos, which is basically their new select line. Uh, again, I don't think you need to talk about Scotty Cameron too much. You no, guys know Scotty it. Cameron here. <laughs> uh, they're awesome. And their new super select line is in stores now as well. So, and we have inventory of everything and all the warehouses are running and we're basically 10 business days or better and a lot of orders. Love well, it. I should say. 88% of our orders are getting out in 10 days or less. I love it. The specifics are key. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's dive into yays and nays. So this is the big one. This is the one we want to talk about. So yay or nay, no cuts in elevated events. So I've been thinking about this one even before it was put on this list and put in front of me the other day mm -hmm. um, when the news came out on the tour. And I don't know if I've still come to my take on Okay. It. My gut says part of the PGA tour is the fun part of the cut. Okay. Yes. Um, it kind of is when you have just four rounds of golf of four rounds of golf of elite players beating up on each other. There's nothing wrong with that. I still like it. Sure. But there's something to letting the less elite come in and try to make a run to play with the elites on weekends. Yeah. Right. And so to me, uh, it does take a little bit away from it, in my opinion, because now you've just basically created a major. Okay. Yes. And then what happens to majors and things like that. So I, I don't know if I feel very strongly on either side, but I do feel like you're missing a little something by not giving one of these younger, no-name players a chance at the weekend. Yeah. I learned, like now, but I get it. Like there's a lot of people because the development leagues change so much. Mm -hmm. There's so many folks, like when I watch a leaderboard like this week, there's plenty of people on there I have no idea who sure. they are. Okay, what used to happen was is you had these elite players that played on the weekends, and then you had these handful of guys you've never heard of that made the, made a cut finally, mm. and then they beat up on the elite players. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like what happens is is because the elite players don't play as often, you don't have as many elite players on the weekends, and you get all these guys, so you see too much of them. So I get the tour's kind of response of like saying, hey, we need to have weekends or weeks that where it's just like, the elite being the elite again. Yeah. So I think it could be good. I'm just not, I don't really have a take. Um, I have a take. Okay. I'm a nay 
on okay. it. So, uh, so we used to do this back in the day. So, like when when Jack and Arnie and them are playing, there were no cut events. This isn't a new concept. They are copying Live in the sense that this is something that Live is doing, but this is not new to the PGA Tour, right? That's a good point. Um, yep. So that's a for me where it's like this isn't some like mind-boggling thing where I'm that's like, oh my god, before they had so, so many people wanting to play golf. Correct. Like it was a different thing. So that's that's a and then B just context for people who may not know it. It's not just the normal size fields and they're just not going to have a cut. They're going to pare the fields down to like 70 of the top players, which is what Nick was just talking about, where that basically eliminates the no-name guys who could come in and have a really great week and like randomly win the players, kind of, which never happens. But you know, whatever. Like that opportunity is being removed. My issue with it is not necessarily that. Like I pretty much root for the same guys and girls week in and week out on both tours. But my issue is now I have no reason to watch golf on Thursday and Friday. Well, okay, that's good. You yeah. know, I have See, no I just reason. haven't thought it through enough. There's there's pluses and minuses. I think I'm going to become a yay, so I think I'll be different than you. Yeah. Only because I think the Sunday is going to be so good. But Maybe, they, yeah. I'm going to overshadow all my nay parts early mm-hmm. on. But I just don't want people to be like, I hadn't, like, oh, Nick didn't think about that. No, I'm, I'm trying to think about yeah. it because, like, there's not a great answer here. My So here's my issue, too. Like, And, again, I'm thinking about it from, like, a marketing standpoint. If – I'm going to use Max Homa because I love Max Homa. Yeah. If Max Homa Herbert. is 10 over on Sunday, but he's still playing because there was no cut or whatever, you know cameras are going to cut to him. I don't give a shit about a guy who's 10 over on Sunday. Stop wasting time on that guy. Right. Like, that's how they're going to do it because they're going to go to the big names. And someone like a Jordan Spieth is another good example where it's like, my guy barely makes cuts sometimes. Right. But you know, even if he's 15 over, they're going to cut to him because he's Jordan Spieth. I hate that concept. Yeah, that's true. It's so, well, whatever. I'm a big nay. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, yay or nay, brightly colored golf balls. Okay, I, I got to take we... on this one, yay. Let, okay, let me tell you why we were asking this, though. So our interview today, we're going to get to in just a few minutes. It's with um, Srixon. The reason I brought this up is because myself, my husband, and a few people in the marketing department all pretty much exclusively placed Srixon Divides, which if you're not familiar, it's like they have fun like blue and yellow and red and orange. We love these golf balls, and we brought this up because we were having a Srixon interview today. So that's why it's here but you said you're a big yay let's talk about it yeah i am a yay uh well i typically do play a white golf ball yeah okay that being said you'll in joe lee our chairman can take contend to this you will catch me occasionally especially in fun events like a scramble or something mm-hmm. playing an orange ball a yellow ball i've played blue golf balls. That's wilson dumb. made like a blue ball that's once. super dumb you couldn't see him exactly and so at one point like three holes into a scramble once joe took them all in my bag and hit him in the woods like a madman <laughs> He literally goes, he watched me hit a ball, then he couldn't see it land on the green, which I could barely, but I knew it was on the green. And he goes, I can't see these. I'm hitting them all in the woods. Ran to my golf bag, got them all out of my golf bag, and started peppering them into the woods. And I tried to stop him and couldn't. Oh, Jolie. Jolie, you crazy man. Yeah. So anyway, I do like fun golf balls. Like, I think, like, uh, Shrixon's new Divide Ball, which is two colors, yep. kind of cool. Ping did that back in the I day. I love the Divides. Yeah, they're cool. I think they're neat. Actually, for putting, I think they're awesome because if you line it up on the vertical, you can you can see if you're rolling the ball well and yep. all that. So I'm a huge fan of uh, the colored puff balls. And honestly, I think even the people that say they aren't really are. Yeah. No, I'm a big yay. And we have we have talked about colored ones before, but because we, we were going to do this part with our Shrixon guys, but we ran out of time with them. This is like the only golf ball I want to play. It's not even necessarily suited for me, which is the worst thing I could say on a club fitting podcast. Although we don't really do a lot of ball fitting at the moment, but it's, it's so, I think the aesthetic of it is great. And what you just said about putting has really helped me see if I'm putting online and also helps me read greens 
later what do you on. Think of the soccer ball, golf balls. That's I think what it's I call super them. weird. Yeah, I'm not. I don't like those. Yeah. I, I'm not a big like truest slash. I don't know what TaylorMade calls theirs or whatever. Um, where they got like it basically looks like a soccer ball pattern, or they have logos that are like all yeah, over like a soccer ball patch. They'll have like a patch. clover on it. For yeah, I don't know. I, those I'm not as keen on. I don't really care for. But the the color golf balls I love. Yeah. No. Same. Um. Yeah. Your nay. Blacklight mini golf. So I'm guessing this is like putt shack kind of stuff. So well, putt shack. When you're at like a weird bowling alley that has like. Yeah, a, putt shack isn't blacklight, but yes, when you're at like a bowling, think of like cosmic bowling, but yeah. with putt putt. No. No, you're a big nay on no. No. I, I, whatever, that's fine. I, I I don't know if I'm a yay or a nay. I've never really done it. Yeah, do you do in? So we've talked about mini golf and the yays and nays before, but do you? I do like outdoor putt putt golf. Okay. I just don't know if I'd want to go putt putt golf. Like putter shack does nothing for me. I'm never no. going there. Oh, I mean, I like it. it. It's fine. Yeah, it's not. See, that's not my. I don't know. Maybe I would take the kids someday, but sure. I don't. It's just not like my thing. But I probably wouldn't take the sure, kids to the one in Oakbrook because there's literally one of the holes is beer pong. Like it's like a beer pong hall, so I probably wouldn't take the kids to but that as one. As long as they don't have to drink beer, I don't. They, <laughs> they can learn. Don't. They've seen me play beer pong, oh, so I okay. don't care. Okay, your kids <laughs> are on another level, man. Yeah, no, um, with no sheltered. No, I'm I'm actually a big yay on this one, but what I will say about it is, um, so I'm we've talked about this before. I'm a bowler. I hate cosmic bowling, which for people who don't know is essentially blacklight bowling, where like the they have like blacklight shining on the pins, I've done and they that, have and I like, don't like it either. it's like disco lights and yeah, shit. I don't like I, that it's it, too much going on. It's too much going on, and I'm a serious like I'm a competitive. Bowler. I am not a serious bowler. I am. In fact, I don't really nuts. care to bowl, but my, I just whenever I do that, I'm like, man, I'm here to relax, and this is not relaxing. No, I it's that's fair, and I can't Call do it for old. bowling. I'll do it for putt putt though because I don't take it super seriously, which I maybe should um but i'm okay with it i i like anything that gets people golfing but i find that blacklight mini golf places are just kids that want to run around and like hit things what i really want to do and everybody that's gone to one because they're only in the south right now has said they are awesome is the pop stroke tigers thing oh everybody says it's of all those putting concepts it's like the best we gotta because the holes are like there's like real turf kind of like not real turf, but like no, really yeah, cool yeah. synthetic, and it's like built in with like berms and stuff, and like you're out there, like yeah. you're not in trapped inside. You're like out on this course, and they bring you drinks and all this stuff, and it's like that. Everyone's done it, said so it's awesome, and I guess you pay a fee and you can just keep going around and around or something. Is what I've been told. Now how true that is, I don't know. We but. should do a quarterly management meeting in the <laughs> south. Yeah, and go to one of because I don't know if you can do that up here. I mean, I guess you could, but it'd be probably closed Seasonal. after. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I really want to try one the next time in Orlando. I think there's like Orlando, like Fort Myers, Houston. Next time I'm in a market to has one, I gotta try. It. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We already know the answer to this, but yay or nay, March Madness brackets. The biggest yay ever. Yeah. So how much money? Like, let's let's talk about it. How yeah. much money are you putting on? How March much do Madness? you? Th- okay, so like here's I have what no I have concept Brackets, for your betting. Okay, so like a bracket, you're paying like ten bucks, twenty bucks, fifty bucks to fill out a bracket, okay. and you get put in it. Okay, so like I'll do, let's say, I, most of the brackets that I've been invited into are twenty bucks, and I have about ten of them. Okay. okay. Then I'll buy squares. So like squares are when you buy a square and you get put in this randomizer and then you get two numbers. And it's basically like, let's say Iowa and Iowa State play and it's 70, 69 if you have zero and nine. So just like Super Bowl squares. Right, exactly. So I'll buy some of those. Okay. Usually for my kids' schools, things like that, half the money goes to whatever. I've never heard of a basketball square. And then stuff like that. So I have a bunch of those in here as well. And then obviously I have sportsbook account on my phone. And that'll get a little nutty. There'll be probably between Friday and Saturday, we'll call it three grand-ish bet. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, so do they have, 
uh, this is just my my novice self with the betting, especially with basketball, because I'm not a, a huge basketball fan. Yeah. Um, do they have like prop bets where it's like there's going to be a triple double or like like what do they? Oh, they have all kinds of prop bets. Okay. You, now that stuff like in big events like a Super Bowl, I'll do. Sure. Flip the quarter, tails heads, yeah, things yeah. like that. Um, in basketball, they'll still do some like whatever, how many rebounds, how many whatever, oh. blah blah. They'll do that. They won't do like the flip or whatever. Okay. Um. You'll bet more like who's going to win or you you can, they call it money line or spread. Yeah. So money line means you're either betting Iowa or Iowa State to win. But if you bet the spread, which let's say Iowa's a favorite, by two and a half points, you can bet to either get, you're taking away two and a half points or you're getting two and a half points. Yeah. And it all changes how much money you're going to win at the end. Yeah. Oh my God. Three grand. Jesus Christ. Well, it'll probably be somewhere around three <laughs> grand. And hopefully if, hopefully if I win, that three grand becomes six or nine grand. Sure. I have been, knock on wood, on an absolute heater for about six months. Oh my God. So I've been very disciplined with it. I haven't done stupid bets. I've only done clean bets. It's not to say I haven't won them all, yeah. but I'm well above 500, which in, in, in gambling, all you're looking to do is be above 50%. Sure. So. Oh my God. I apologize. But this is Mrs. my Sherbert. No, no, she knows it. <laughs> and here's the thing. I don't really like, like I always joke about gambling. Um, I, don't, I like to gamble on golf and I like to gamble on sports. Normally it's like, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, something like that, here and there. Yeah. Okay. This is like the Super Bowl of gambling. Mm -hmm. So that's why the stakes go up for me. And then once this weekend, like once March Madness is over, man, there won't be really any gambling outside. Well, maybe like Stanley Cup, maybe Masters. Uh, Masters, I'll yeah. do some. Okay. You know, I did a little bit on uh, Sunday for the players. Yeah. Um, but not a lot. Okay. It calms down. This is the Super Bowl gambling. This is the Super Bowl gambling. All right, <laughs> fair enough. Um, and then, so lastly, yay or nay, because they just happened, the this Oscars. Is, this is your thing. I. That's why I want to hear your take I on it. I don't have it. I don't even know what the Oscars is. Like, oh is the Oscars God. the movies or yes, TVs? movies. Okay. What's TV? So TV is, is the Emmys. And What's then, a Grammy? A Grammy is music. Okay. And then the Golden Globes is, is really just entertainment, but it's it's really okay. like a combo See that? Okay, so Oscars is movies. Yes, this is like the big, like this is the but one the, what, like what is it like? But the problem is all these movies that always win. I've never seen. Yeah, so the one it's not like Waterboy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. There was there was one movie that was in the mix that you've probably seen, which is Top Golf. Uh, Top Golf, my Top God. Gun. Top Gun Maverick. Okay, I have. Yeah, you yep. can tell that I talk golf all day. <laughs> um, that was actually up for Best Picture. It was up for. Who a lot did of it? Things. Is this the one the guy got slapped at last year? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Will See, Smith. I know that stuff. <laughs> Will Smith slapped. Did anybody get Chris slapped Rock. this year? No, but they made a lot of jokes about. Like it was almost. They too should much. make a lot of jokes. It was it. almost too many jokes. Who was the person this year? Uh, Jimmy Kimmel was the host this year, and he was talking about how he had like all these bodyguards. Like you got to get through the Mandalorian. I heard something the other day. Jimmy Kimmel on the Epstein logs, like a bunch of times. I, if that's the case, I have blocked that news out of my life. I don't know. I don't know. That I heard somebody awful. say that the other day, but I, they might have been joking. May, maybe. Although that's okay. not super funny. But um, <laughs> he was the host. The movie that was the big deal this year, which was kind of a sleeper hit in a weird way, was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Which what the? Uh, it's super weird, like comedy drama you kind of vibe. It? My husband, I've like, he watched it while I was in the room. Uh, that's fine. I like Jamie Lee Curtis. She won an Oscar for it. And I think she's she, got to be a hundred years old. Now. She's, I mean, she's been working for 45 years. Me and some friends were doing that the other night. Like think cause being 40, thinking about some of the actors that were big when we were kids and oh. looking up their age. Holy shit. Well, who was like Gene Hackman? One? You know how old Gene Hackman is? Oh, he's got to be in his 90s. Like 94. Whoa. Okay. He's older than Clint Eastwood. Who's 92. Yeah. We went down this rabbit hole. And Clint hole. Eastwood is still working. Yeah. I mean, so well, I think Hackman. Gene Hackman is yeah. too. 
And then, uh, like, I watch, uh, and what kind of started us down this hole was I watched this show, 1923, which mm-hmm. is like a spinoff of Yellowstone. It's like a pre- prequel. And Harrison Ford is the character in it. Mm-hmm. He's 80. Was it 80 or 82? He's in his 80s, yeah. Yeah, he, he's either 80 or 82. And I'm like, holy crap, Harrison Ford's 82 years old? Yeah. He, and then uh, you like look at Sylvester Sloan, he's like 77. I'm like, oh, Okay, yeah. he's a hard 77, though. He looks like he's 77. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But I'm just like, well, I'm like, think, like we went down this. We started just Googling all these oh, people it's, yeah, it's and terrifying. how old they are. And you're like, wow, man, when I was like 10 years old, that person seemed old then. Yeah. Now they're. Have you ever done, I th- we may have talked about this, but I don't recall your answer. Have you ever done the celebrity death pools? No. So it's betting. So I'm surprised you've never done it. But you can <laughs> literally put together a list of who you think is going to die. And the younger they are, the higher, like, the payout is. So, like, this is a super morbid one. And obviously this is, like, I'm not wishing anything on anyone. But one that was always common when I was in high school and college is people would put Lindsay Lohan on the list. Who, by the way, just <laughs> announced sense. she's pregnant. Um, I but, thought you were going to say, by the way, she just died. No, she know. just announced that she's okay. pregnant. Um, but this is why it's like, I'm not wishing anything. But just anecdotally, like, people would put her on it because she had, like, drug problems and Amanda Bynes and stuff like that. And so like Betty White wouldn't have been a lot of points because she was an older woman, whereas Lindsay Lohan, because she was younger, would be more points. So people do this, this every say, year. I've heard people talk about this. So it's got to be like like Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, like Jamie Lee Curtis isn't that old, but like some of these people have to be. But I bet list. you she's 70. She's for sure. Yeah. She's been in, she's since 1978 when Halloween came out. Aliens. So, and I mean, she's Janet Lee's daughter, which is kind of a big deal. Um, yeah. My, so my answer, by the way, to circle back to this is I'm a yay for the Oscars, but I will, what I will say about it is I think that the broadcast is super boring. Like this was a better Oscars broadcast than what we've seen in, for like the last five or Maybe 10 more years. slappy. Uh, I mean, violence is one way to spice it up. <laughs> we could just like put a UFC match in the Oscars. Maybe a nipple slip, like the Super Bowl. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you know we can yell that about it. That, that was Jack- Janet Jackson Janet and Jackson. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. That was like my. Oh God, I don't even remember how old I was, but I was like ingrained in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm a yay for it. I I know you don't love the award shows or whatever, but if you're like an actor, the Oscar is the thing you aspire to. Okay. So it's kind of a Yeah, I, I just have never gotten into them. Like, and my wife isn't into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe growing up, my mom might have watched a little of it. But uh, yeah, you yeah those, it's just never been a thing that's been ingrained. No. You get the big moments of, like, like you know, like, you like me. Plus, you I really like, like stupid me. movies that make no Like, and my wife will say that. Like, you only <laughs> like stupid movies. That's and I'm like, it is, because I have trouble, like, for me, I want to be able to sit down, and if I get distracted, I don't miss anything. Yeah. I feel like the Kids' Choice Award is more of like yeah, that could be good. Okay, yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Put some slime on it. Yeah, everything's better. Everything Nickelodeon related is yeah. better. All right, we're gonna jump into our interview with Brian Shelkey and Michael Jolly from Srixon. We're back, and we're with Brian Shelkey, the GM of uh, Srixon North America, and Michael Jolly. Uh, who is the what is it tour PGA tour player promotions manager and uh guys welcome to the show thanks for coming on yeah thanks a lot for having us awesome it's the first time I think that we're going to have two guests right Nick I think this might be the first time yeah I think it might be the first time which is good it just is uh this will be fun we'll talk all things tricks on I feel like my life's been a little bit engulfed with uh Cleveland tricks on Zaxio lately uh, I was out in Arizona with uh, Mike Powell and uh, Chuck Theory and those boys not too long ago showing off our uh, Tempe warehouse and then also having a little fun on the course, although it was 45 degrees and I'm pretty sure Mike was freezing, but uh, 
So I've been I've been engulfed. And actually, what's funny about it is, is uh, I'm back to a shirt on golf ball. Uh, what is it? The new diamond you guys have? Yep. And exactly. I really like I just it. Launched. Yeah, I really like that ball. Um, and then I'm back to Cleveland wedges because Mike had some full face ones in there with the tour rack. And uh, I was playing around with them when we were out playing. I'm like, man, these are they're even nicer than I expected outside. So uh, I'm back in the saddle and they sent me a driver. So that'll be in testing soon. So let's uh, let's jump in here. Why don't uh, Brian, you start and then uh, Mike can jump in after you. And let's talk about like what your career paths like. Tell us what you do, how you got there. Um, our listeners are always interested. You know, they always ask, how do I get into the golf industry? What got people into the golf industry? What got you, Nick, into the golf industry? So tell us a little bit about how you guys got to where you are and what you do today at Shrixon. Yeah, so I took um, maybe not the most near path here, but I'm general manager right now. I do kind of a little bit of everything, kind of working a lot with our sales and operations department, customer service team, you know, marketing department, kind of help organize and make sure everyone's swimming in the right direction um, here across the company. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up in Michigan as an engineer. So I was a mechanical engineer out at college and growing up kind of just outside of the Detroit area. A lot of my friends are in the auto industry now. That's kind of a logical choice. And, you know, I, I consider that coming out of college, but I didn't really have much of a passion for cars. You know, a lot of people just love cars and they're super into them. I was I was into golf. Um, so as soon as I kind of realized I could dovetail my engineering background with, a you know, job in golf and research and development department, I was like a no-brainer for me. Um, so I came out California. Um got a job, you know, with Cleveland Strixon at the time in R&D and kind of have done a lot there since. I've started in the R&D department designing clubs, moved over to kind of more planning marketing, did some digital marketing for a while and now kind of general management. So it's been a not exactly what I would have expected, but it's been a super fun ride the whole time and I've learned a lot. <laughs> Yeah, engineer turned uh, general manager. Um, although that that does make more sense to me because I can tell you one of my partners in this business uh, was an engineer by trade and then became a CEO because and became a management kind of sales guy later in life. I think sometimes that process orientation you guys have in your brain keeps everybody swimming in the right lane, basically. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> that's the goal, right? That's yeah, all. That's, we're that's, the, that's the target we're going. Yeah. To. Michael, what about you, man? What uh, else about you? I'm sure the listeners want to hear because you got a fun title of PGA Tour there. So, yeah, I uh, I grew up playing a ton of golf. That was sort of my my sport, my game. Um, after I sort of uh, moved away from you know the the regular sports all the kids play, just golf just resonated with me. And went to school to in college to play golf uh, at UNC Charlotte and. Uh, got a degree in computer science uh <laughs> thought that's what i wanted to do and uh i i just kept kind of coming back to golf and got a got a job that sales rep that i knew in in charlotte that i got to know while i was in school um worked for cleveland golf at the time and said there's this you're not really sure what you want to do yet there's this there's this cool opportunity where you sort of travel around the country and and do fittings and because uh, I had a little bit of experience with that, do fittings and club building, you know, on site at clubs, what we called the tech band at the time. And uh, it was for someone 22 years old, right out of school. It was so much fun. You didn't awesome have to work with Brad Gerke, did you? 
I I worked sort of we never worked together, but he was around okay. the same time I was for sure. Then I know not, Brad. Then you're not jaded. Okay, perfect. <laughs> all right, that's one of our fitters that was a tech van guy like yep. that. Yep. That. Um, all of us have some great stories of that of that time. Um, it was a super successful program, and like I said, I played some amazing golf courses and met some great people. And and then I I sort of knew I was I wanted to stay involved with the club aspect and being around players, and not so much in the sales role and an opportunity came up on tour and I sort of did the same thing I was doing at tech band and traveled around to all the PGA tour events and did fitting and building out there. And the last 10 years I've been more in player development. So scouting, recruiting players out of, out of college, sort of our next sort of our farm system, so to speak. And now I'm working in, in this newer role, still doing some, uh, some development stuff, but working more with our PGA tour players and, and, and marketing sort of kind of bridging the gap and using our players sort of more effectively and trying to get tour and marketing a little more on the same page and, and bringing value there. So I'll, I'll I want to talk about maybe it's been, it's not an elephant in the room for me, but I think it is for a lot of people out there that watch golf, like Brooks Kepka is one of your guys, right? Yep. If tour guy. So how does that work now that he's not out there on the tour? Do you have to go to him? Does he do his own thing or what? Uh, you know, the, the, the live thing has certainly been interesting and, you know, not what any OEM sort of expected when, when they have players on the PGA tour. So a lot of those things I haven't thought about and addressed and we send him his stuff and he's sort of happy with it. And, um, you know, there's a trailer out at live that takes care of, takes care of those guys out there uh week in and week out so it hasn't been too difficult for the players out there to sort of get what they need i don't think who's your who who is your most fun tour player that you think you work with not that the rest can't be fun but who is the guy you enjoy working with the most some of those guys i've been around for so long and uh and i i love man there's not many of our guys that i don't enjoy working with but one of the most fun is shane lowry because he is a fun guy um, to be around incredibly talented, obviously, but being around him and working on watching him work, uh, on, on short game stuff is just, I walk every time I walk away from him is just how incredibly talented he is, uh, with his hands and being around someone that talented when you're doing club work, um, is always crazy fun. Oh yeah. No, it's always good stuff. So let's, let's go to this. This is a question. I think we get a lot. I can tell you, uh, I look back, I've uh, club champion, most of the listeners know by now club champion we say established 2010 but we've been in business since 98 which had a different name and turned to club champion 2010 but we've had cleveland i think was one of the first vendors we ever carried uh back in the day with chuck and brad and those guys and um later on there was a gentleman they they introduced me the Shrixon brand with a guy named simon and and um you know i thought it was a very cool story in the sense of indo forged and just looked really good felt really good in the performance with i think well, i don't think you guys call it i know you guys don't anymore the vsol but i still call it the vsol it was an interesting thing because for us, when we're so into the numbers, like that really cleaned up people's impact a lot, especially the amateur that probably wasn't as clean through impact as a tour player. And, you know, being a company that doesn't necessarily, we don't sell on brands, right? Um, I know you guys don't always love to hear that, but if you make a club that performs, it works anyway. So, cause we're all about performance. And so we took this brand that you guys were trying to introduce to the, you know, the U S that had been bigger overseas 
um, you know, we really ran with it because the performance was there. The story was there. Everything was there. It was a very cool product. And we've done well with it ever since on the Shrixon side. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit about the Shrixon family of brands and, you know, what, what, how that kind of evolved, how it came, how it evolved and, you know, where you see it going. Yeah. So the Shrixon, I mean, you know, especially for those who maybe don't know about, you know, what the brand stands for quite as much. It's a very performance driven brand. Uh, performance and incremental improvement are two things that come to mind. Um, and when I, you know, when I say performance, it's the engineers, the R&D team working with tour players, you know, everything that goes into them is to get more ball speed or more forgiveness feel better there aren't a lot of you know bells and whistles that maybe the marketing department is like hey why don't you put this on the club and the engineers are like i don't know if that'll work you know it's very driven by the engineers and how can we get the best clubs for the right golfers um and then in terms of incremental improvement there aren't for the kind of for that same reason there aren't wild swings from one year to the next you know we take everything that's really good about a club like you said the v soul or tour vt soul and we keep that if it's working and make it a little bit better. And then everything that's maybe not working quite so well, we reduce and switch around. So, so you don't see, you know, a really good club one year and then the next one's kind of a dud. Every, every set of irons we make is a little bit better than the last, a little bit better than the last. And you've done that for 10, 15, 20, 30 years all of a sudden you have these really good, high-performing, good-feeling sets of irons. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into club design with, you know, between like ball speed and forgiveness and feel and turf interaction. And so we've kind of leaned on our expertise of making these high-quality forged clubs for a while, made them better and better and better. Um, and that's kind of really what's helped gotten us here. And then so when someone maybe hasn't tried Strixon before and tries and sees the VT sole and the performance of how it kind of helps keep the speed, even if you hit a hair behind it or if you hit down steeply, it gets in and out of the turf faster. Um, they really they're noticeably different from a lot of other other clubs out there. Well, I like it because it's not like you're not always looking for the next gimmick, right? Like when you think about like a brand like Titleist, every year the AP2 comes out, every other year the AP2 comes out, and it's the same but different, right? It's enhanced, and you can notice it. But you're not going to see it right away. You're like, that's just another AP2. And I think you guys have taken that that approach too in the kit case where, like you just said, where every year that seven series or that five series kind of has, I know that's a seven series, I know it's a five series, and you've just enhanced it. And to me, as a person that worries about performance and not the gimmicks a lot, um, and maybe gimmicks a strong word, but you know what I mean, more the marketing flair. Um, I love that because that's what we need. Like I always joke with the guys, the other guys at the company, like that I work with with Shrixon in Cleveland, like don't don't break it. It works really good. So, and I'm sure Mike can speak to that because tour players are probably always hounding them for that. Um, yes. You know, let's not break a good thing. Correct. Uh, to make millions of bucks but uh yeah i mean that's part of the reason i like it. it it can be tough for the consumer that's why i like bringing tricks on on like having you guys on and talking about it like guys it's it can be a little simple like some of the you know other brands out there but at the same time it's packs a huge punch um I have one question, like the forgings of Shrixon. Do you guys still use Endo mostly, or have you moved on? I mean, obviously, if you moved on, you moved on for a good reason if you did. Uh, how do you choose your forging and stuff like that? 
Yeah, we we still we still use Endo. Um, yeah, they. I mean, they are <laughs> they make really quality stuff. Uh, we we want to choose the best partners in our manufacturing processes. Yeah, I think that's a part of it as well as kind of you know the the club design. You know, they're married together. You know, we don't actively promote you know where anything is made because it's you know ultimately it's a strict on product. We're responsible for what it is um, wherever. Um, wherever it's made or whichever factory so um we it's yeah endo endo makes them but you can say that but there's there's on irons i'd say yeah well and that's a fair thing to say but i mean there's not a lot of other oems that are you know going to quite a nice of a foundry as you guys do and to me it's a nice touch on top of it is like it's a story for like when you come to a place like club champion and we tell you the full story of a product yeah. gets you to understand why, Hey, you might've came in for this, but it didn't really work. And this works. Here's some of the reasons why it works to me. It's a cool story because it's, it's a great price point and knowing what I know about the industry, it's also made at a very high quality foundry. And so to me, that was like tricks on saying, you know, we're going to keep this to excellence and we're going to, you know, make sure we do the right thing and get a good product out there. And, and, you know, as a person that, knows probably a little more than the average bear i could tell consumers like listen this is this is really good stuff it's coming out of a a really good spot so not only do they have a great design but they went to a great place to have it made um so you know that's that's a cool thing how much did like tour have to do like with like you know tour have to do with the development of your products i'm sure mike has some stories there yeah, it's 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 very much sort of hand in hand. You know, I, I think that's the the beauty of the the two year cycles we're on, where um, it has we have room and time for for feedback and testing, and um, it's it's not a hurried process. And like Brian saw, it's it's very sort of incremental those improvements. I mean, just like the new ZX7, you know, you, it's for me. And when you have something as successful as the, the ZX7 irons were. Sometimes that that seems like a impossible task. Like, how am I going to get this iron out of guys' hands that have had so much success with it and like it so much? And that incremental improvement is a big part of that. Like, we cleaned up the short irons just a little bit. They look slightly better than the previous versions, and they're gonna they're gonna feel just a little bit better because of this change we made in the in the cavity. So, um, it is very much based on on the, that input the players give us along the way when we first start testing um yeah i mean and, definitely uh, i would say tours are tours our first customer you know for for on you know we make you know better player avid player equipment and it has to work for tour otherwise no one else will like it so they're, they're our very first customer has to pass the tour and then we then we get it to everyone else awesome let's see here what um how do you guys at like Strixon and Cleveland view custom fitting? Um, do you have any interesting fitting stories from the tour? That kind of thing. You know, obviously, if we're a big custom fitter, um, we we see the benefits in your tools and your clubs. That's why we we use them. Um, tell me a little bit about that development, what that looks like, and then ultimately, you know, if we got a cool fitting story on tour, let's tell it. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. fitting. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I was going to let Jolly take the tour aspect of it. But yeah, for consumers, fitting super important. I mean, I swing differently than Shane Lowry and you, Nick, and Cassandra and Mike. Everyone has their own swings, their own posture, their own, you know, just unique golf game. And so the same tools don't work for all of us. So getting fit for the right tools for your game is 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 super critical. Um, it's It's definitely one of the most important things when looking for new clubs. 
uh, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm probably still, um, you know, the, how we fit and, and what, what we use to fit has changed so much um, with all of our players now having, having launch monitors of some kind, there's so much information there um, at their disposal, you know, a lot of the players now have, have become quote unquote experts on what they need because they all have their own information. Right. So um, you get players that are very fixated on a, on a particular number, like it's just about ball speed or it's just about spin. And so it's sometimes the fitting part can be just as much educational uh, as, as it is trying to find the right thing. Um, on tour, we're, we're, we're maybe even more so than in a retail setting. You're, you're, it's a balance of, of how it's going to work under pressure, uh, how a player changes under pressure. You know, what, what does he default to when he's re- really nervous? Um, what is a, shot, a kind of a go-to shot that he has to have that maybe is not an optimal shot? So there's probably more from a tour side that goes into, is this club going to work or not? Um, you know, that's more than just, does the track man say this is optimal um you know perfect story for that is shane lowry with the new driver right i and he played the last version of the zx5 in my mind i thought that we could go to the ls head meaning we could give him the low spin head we could give him a little more loft and he wouldn't see spin increase and he would get distance gains and he did but by lowering that spin he lost some um he lost some of the maneuverability that he needs. He likes to hit low shots. He likes to hit it right to left, left to right. A lot of creativeness he'd lost by lowering the spin as much as we did. So he probably gave up a little bit of distance, but the club was far more functional for him at a higher spin rate. So what I saw as optimal is not optimal because he couldn't use it the way that he wanted to. Um, so he arrived at the, the with the regular ZX5 um, and he's had it in his bag and and loves it so um i always think that that's a great story and i it's something i talk about with consumers a lot because you know uh even tour players you know they have the same experience that like they get the same experience that club champion offers to the people and that's kind of how club champion became a thing was i saw how the tour players were interacting on you know their equipment and i was like well this was way younger 20 some years ago where i thought i was going to be a good player and i was like why can't the average person have that interaction somebody to work with to dial it in it's like there's optimal numbers, but then there's a conversation to be had about how you play golf, where you play golf, the kind of shots you hit. And so, you know, we, we read magazines, we watch TV, we do all this stuff and you hear all these optimal numbers and it's like, that's great. That's, that's a good starting ground. Right. But then we have to find somebody that can a get you there, but then ultimately finesse it into what makes sense for your game. So I think that's a great story for the consumers to hear that because I don't think they always believe the PGA tour. They're like, well, those guys can hit anything. It's like, well, yeah, they could, but the reality is, is as you know, Mike, they're, they're also trying to eliminate certain misses or make a ball move a certain direction. And that's what they're looking for. And, they, and equipment is one thing that helps them get there. And some of them lean on it heavily to get them there. Um, I think that's the biggest fight as a fitter on tour is they are so skilled and they are so talented. If I give a good player four swings, they're going to figure out a way to get it in the air that the way that they need. So you're trying to find what's right for them, but you also have to keep an eye of, is this, is this guy manipulating this driver to make it work? So it's that, it's that balance of trying I love to get it right, but also knowing how, how talented they are to, to make anything work. So to speak. Well, we talk about that even in our fits because, 
as we say, I had about 20 some years ago, there's a guy who's won two US senior AMs and a British senior AM. He's an older gentleman now. But when I first started fitting, I would have people hit a lot of shots. And, you know, he was the first one that came to me. And after three shots, he goes, take it out of my hand. And I'd go, why? And he goes, because I'll just manipulate it after that. And so, you know, after that moment, he's like, that's why I came to see you is because I wanted you to hand me products. And if it didn't work in the first three or four swings, then guess what? It's not the right club for me because I'm just going to go make it work. And so we adopted that 20 some years ago. And a lot of times when we get into fits now, well, especially when we're exploring the products, it's three to four swings and the customer goes, well, can I just hit it some more? Don't worry. You're going to hit it plenty when we get there. But I don't want you, if it's not working in three to four swings, at least getting us something of where we need to be, then probably it's the wrong product. We need to go find it. That's why we have 60,000 plus combinations. Um, so I love to hear that the PGA Tour and the way the fitter on the PGA Tour, you know, sees it the same way. He's got to be careful because they'll just start manipulating it over time. And that's not really the goal of custom fitting. It's manipulation. It's meant to just be the right club and hit it and do what you want to do with it. Okay. So, um, I think, you know, this is probably a question more for Brian, but Mike might have a taste sense on it. Like, I think Shrixon is one of those brands that people see as like a golf ball brand, right? If they know Shrixon much. And so, you know, uh, what should golfers know? I mean, you kind of hit on it a little bit, Mike, but give us a little bit more detail. What should people know about Shrixon and kind of the flag and that you're going to carry and the mission you're on specifically at Shrixon? Yeah, I mean, obviously we, we make really high quality balls, have done so for a long time. But in terms of woods and irons, I think you can be, you know, super confident that you're getting a high quality product with Strixon. You know, we we don't cheap out or we don't take shortcuts in the club design. Um, we do everything to make sure we've checked every box and and are delivering high performance clubs. And I think probably more people have experienced that with irons and specifically like the, the V so I, anyone who hasn't hit Cirx on irons with a V so I encourage them to go try them out. Even if you're not interested in clubs, like just go try them, hit them, see how they feel kind of going through the turf versus, versus like kind of a more traditional sole. Cause that really separates our irons. And then um, for woods, these new Mark two woods as well. Um, like we, you know, we got back from the PGA show down in Orlando not too long ago. And, you know, it's a great time to talk to our sales team, fitters, you know, everyone in the industry. And almost unanimously, unanimously, the first thing out of everyone's mouth is, oh my goodness, these woods are hot. Like they, are they even legal? Like the new Mark II drivers, the ball speeds are incredible. Like I picked up you know, two miles per hour, this fitter who, you know, has access to every manufacturer, he's gaming the Mark II drivers. So uh, the Mark II drivers and the ball speed that are coming out of those um, are unlike anything we've ever had. And I think Michael's seen that on tour as well, because, you know, you can't get a driver in someone's hands if it doesn't produce more ball speed. And we've had like the fastest adoption by all of our tour players and even some non-staffers to switch into the new Mark II drivers. So um, what we're kind of known for golf balls and then irons are kind of, irons have been growing really well, doing really well. And woods have kind of been lagging behind. I think woods are going to catch up in a hurry here um, with these new Mark II woods. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I can vouch, you know, uh, I've been on the Shrixon iron train for a long time and golf ball train for a long time. 
Uh, the Woods have been good. They've been sleepers. But I think this year it's like they're finally out of the sleeper mode and in more of the mix mode. Uh, specifically, you're seeing it in our fitters. They're making, you know, believers out of people all over because yeah, looks really good, sounds really good. And just the launch spin and ball speed, to your point, is just a really good driver. And it's got that more traditional look to it, which I think, you know, a lot of those, you know, maybe more discerning golfers appreciate, although you don't have to be a discerning golfer to play them. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I I would, I would say the same thing. And, and that's why I'm even, you know, playing around with a strict sign driver, because it's something I probably, if I were being honest, never really gave as much uh, hold to as I did the irons. But now all of a sudden it's like the numbers are speaking to about every fitter in this company, like, holy cow, this thing's good. Uh, yeah, let's... and we 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 appreciate your support, and you know we've been watching the reorders. You know, <laughs> you guys have had, and they've they've been awesome so far. Um, I know we're, it's early, but yeah, we we've heard a lot of that from you know fitters and industry people who have access to anything they want. You know, coming to us and being like, yeah, I've never I've played your ball for a while or played your irons, never even thought about your woods, but hey, now I have your driver in my bag because it was just the best one out there. Um, so we we appreciate that and it's um it's really fun fun to see our woods grow like like that you know, you know i know a lot uh i'm obviously been very fortunate in this industry to be around a long time and also uh pretty much be for, you know know about almost everybody in the industry and and from the top to the bottom in a lot of ways and um you know i get to play with a lot of the ceos of these companies out here president ceos whatever their titles are they're you know, run the overall company. And one of the things I can tell you is when you look at some of the companies that put out some of the best products and, you know, grow really fast, the the person at the top is a hardcore golfer themselves. And one thing I can say is like, it was fun. It's fun when I play with Mike because Mike is such a golf geek. Like just looking through his golf bag would be very similar to looking through a golf bag of a club champion fitter or my own bag, right? Like he's going to have all this tricked out stuff. He's going to have it all souped up to the nines. He's going to have a fitting story behind every golf club, you know, and there's others in the industry to do that. We won't give him a plug during the strict sign, but I can't tell you, like, you know, it's, it's fun when you got a person, you know, like that, Mike, who, you know, kind of leading from the top. Yeah. He's not going to put a product out that he's not going to put in his bag basically. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's into golf. He, he plays more than probably anyone I know. So (laughs) good player. Yeah, um, but I love that. To me, that's that's part of what we do here in the golf industry. It's not to say maybe uh, maybe a seasoned business person that takes that takes over a golf company can't run a good golf company, but it, it is something to me when you have that person at the top that is looking at it also from a consumer's point of view, and I think that's an interesting thing that you know when you meet Mike and you know I'm sure you guys are the same way. You can tell like I'm not going to put something out on the floor that I'm not going to play myself in my back so that's that's kind of always fun i think all this conversation sort of gets back to that idea of of incremental improvement you know i feel like i don't think in my time with shirts i don't feel like we've ever introduced a product that went backwards right everything's sort of been intentional right i feel like every time we've we've introduced a new golf ball i don't like we've got all guys playing the current golf ball we got all guys we've like we had 18 sets of tricks on irons and play at, at the players 15 of them are already the mark two or the z forge two so it, it it is getting a little bit better each time and 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 guys see that from 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 retail to 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 the tour so um that's that's fun to be a part of when you when you're confident that the next thing coming out is going to be a little bit better 
Yeah, it's awesome. No, I mean, it is a testament because I, you talk to a lot of like probably Mike's counterparts at other companies there, they're constantly struggling to get the guys into the new stuff because there's too much change or whatever. And, you know, uh, your guys, is, that's kind of what we've talked about. Like you just keep doing this little changes that, but it allows you to keep people going to the new stuff, but knowing they're not going to go backwards. They're only going forwards. And that's, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, okay. Here's a fun question. So what is something, uh, and, and listen, uh, we hope you can be as honest as possible. What's something you wish you could do at Shrixon, um, whether it be club design or a player you'd like to sign or something? I'm going to let Brian start. Loaded question. Yeah. I it's not an indictment on anybody. I just want yeah. to know if there's something cool that you think down the road you would love to do or hope to do or whatever, you know, big player signing. It could be fun and be, mean nothing. I mean, I wish and we, could, we couldn't afford this, but I wish we could just send everyone a dozen balls, every golfer a dozen balls to try. Like if we, <laughs> if we just, you know, just, you know, everyone confident put, you put them against your gamer. Let, yeah. Let's try it out and see what happens from there um unfortunately with the whatever 24 25 million golfers there are probably that'd be a lot of balls but um, yeah like if you're it. saying there's confident. no boundaries <laughs> yeah confident that if you give the ball a try you'll probably convert yeah. enough people i love it i mean i'm one of those convert i i mean i just never thought of a tricks on ball and played whatever i played titles for a long time then a short time at callaway and then a couple of years ago somebody um I was, I threw a XV into the mix and before you know it, I'm playing around with a couple balls in the launch monitor outside, kind of testing both seeing what's, you know, the numbers are saying, but also what I'm seeing on the course. Um, and it's been my ball ever since. And, you know, I would have never guessed that. And I think it was Chuck theory or somebody who pressed me on it and said, Hey, well, you know, give it a shot. And I did and loved it. Uh, I think for me, you know, I, spent spending so much time in, in development and watching the, the college game and guys coming up, you know, I think it's on that same note and we've spent, we spend so much time talking about sort of how to go about this, but um, you know, getting our product in front of more young people. Um, and that takes a lot of manpower and a lot of money. Um, but, you know, seeing, seeing more kids come into, more elite players coming into college uh, with exposure to our products um, is something I'd like to see. Um, and, and we're making some inroads there. Uh, but like I said, it's a, it takes a massive in, investment to do that, but um, it's always interesting to, to encounter a, a young player. That's really, really good. That says, um, you know, I've never tried that. Um, and it, it's cool because you can open their eyes, but it's also, it can also be frustrating that, well, how's that, How's that the case? You know, how have you not had exposure to this? So, um, and like I said, we're, we're, we're still, we're still growing. Uh, and those are, those are things that will, will come in time. And that whole idea of incremental improvement, will we'll get better in that, in that area. Uh, and that'll be fun. Awesome. Okay. Last question. What is next for the fam, uh, Shrixon family? Like what is, uh, is there any things you want to plug? Uh, I mean, we've already talked about the new Mark II products, the uh, up and down the five and seven. And, um, but is there anything else? I mean, golf balls, anything else you want to kind of talk about with the trick sign or preview? Yeah, I mean, I would say we've talked about, you know, the growth and, you know, the next products are going to be better than this generation. Um, I, I'm 
not sure exactly how we're going to do it right now, but they, they will be, I promise you guys. Um, but I think what's maybe exciting about our brands is that we've grown really well, you know, over the past number of years, our all shares it has grown dramatically, our, you know, iron share and wood shares grown, um, but we still have so long, such a long way to go. Um, you know, even, you know, if we had 50% share, you know, then we're, our company would be very dependent on like how the industry is going, is golf growing or shrinking. Um, but we think we really, regardless of, you know, what the market does um, by producing these high quality products, getting in people's hands, the support from you guys um, and, and fitters like you guys, we think like the sky's the limit for the brand. So I'm really just excited, you know, about this year and the Mark II launch and the new Z star eight family um, because they're really good products, but just, you know, looking down the road at what the Strixon brand can become in five, 10, 15 years, um, really is what's exciting to me. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on today. Thank you for enlightening us on more stuff from our great partners at Strixon. And, you know, hopefully everybody out there got a little bit more appreciation for what, uh, your brand does and what it's con- going to continue to do. So Brian and Mike, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Fits with the Founder. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to support our show. And if you want more equipment content, follow the Club Champion and TXG content teams at TXG, a Club Champion brand on social media. Come on, come on.